Are you ready to begin? I am. Hello, this is Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. <laughs> Let's jump into the syllabus. I did it. We did it. We're, we're rusty. A month off and we're rusty. A month off. I can't do it anymore. Pod is done. <laughs> but uh, we got our script and we're good to go. Well, <laughs> hey, listeners, we are here again and we have a guest. We're so Whoa. super. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we love having guests. So it's not just me and Mary going crazy. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here with two uh, sad girl Pisces. Oh, <laughs> Can't yeah. imagine a better vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets uh, pretty weird up in here sometimes. Um, I'm pretty sad. Um, yeah, Aaron Redwing is our guest today. Thanks for being here, Aaron. Yeah, thank you for um, having me. We're going to talk astrology today um, because it's the end of the year, mm-hmm. 2022 the year of our Lord. Uh, and, uh, we're going to do a little, um, just chat about astrology and, um, look at the year ahead. Yeah. It's time to get your ducks in a row, you know, for 2023, (laughs) like it's time to figure your shit out. 2022 (laughs) has been rough, but 2023 is like even crazier. And I think it's necessary to like have (laughs) that context going into it, you know? Yep. So we're all going to be stressed by the end. Is that uh, yeah. what's going to happen? Okay. hundred okay. percent. And then it's just going to keep getting crazier from there. 2020s, man. Roaring 20s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The most epic living through historical chapters every single week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, astrology equips us with tools, foresight. So that's great. We don't have to... Um, a lot of a lot of internet astrologers these days are like don't fear the retrograde don't fear the astrology just be prepared so. that's what i think i mean honestly i can't imagine if i hadn't had astrology to sort of like create structure and meaning in my life like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really given me a lot of context for the eras of my life that i go through and like why i'm going through and like it helps me create some sort of like okay i can expect this will be at least easing up in two weeks or whatever. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's like, it's nice to know the astrology ahead of time so that you can kind of like, when you're actually living through it, be like, okay, I knew that, I knew that this was going to be kind of crazy and like, this was expected and you can kind of like have gratitude and appreciation for that rather than just be like, ah, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And know that there's an end in sight too. Totally. Um, well, I'll, I'll introduce Aaron here formally now. Um, so Aaron Red Wing, our guest, uh, she is a planetary scientist and astrologer at Planet Nine Astrology. And you can find more in-depth uh, 2023 astrological predictions on the Planet Nine Astrology website, which is planet-ix.vision or at Planet Nine Astrology on YouTube and TikTok. She is also the host of Hell Money Podcast and makes gardening and homesteading content at Realizing Erin on YouTube and TikTok. So 
Hooray. I'm a real renaissance man. Got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> it's yeah. just like this podcast. You never yeah. know what totally. we're going to be talking about next. Totally. <laughs> Can't predict. We're not the planets. Um, yeah. And Hell Money Podcast is very um, super interesting podcast about Bitcoin. And that's where I was introduced to Aaron, um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, sent me your Hell Money Podcast episode on the astrology of Bitcoin, which is super fascinating and something that I have fixated on in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Astrology is like what got me into Bitcoin. And then now I have a Bitcoin <laughs> podcast. So it's just wow. like, you know, it's you you can never predict where astrology is going to take you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really can't. Well, okay. So how, I do want to ask, that would be my first question is, is how you originally got into astrology. Um, and that's interesting to hear that Bitcoin is the thing. Um, and also being a planetary science major. Um, just tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I guess starting at the beginning. So my parents are both scientists. Um, uh, my mom is like a real girl boss in STEM type, like it's, and so, uh, growing up, I just kind of, I, I was raised by scientists and that was just sort of like the framework through which I understood the world. Um, my mm. parents, like were both like raised Catholic and then sort of just like became disaffected a religious. I don't think they would describe themselves as like atheists, but certainly agnostic. And they definitely raised me that way. Um, and so I wasn't very like spiritually connected growing up. And I really was like very logic brain, STEM brain. This is the way things work. And this is what I'm going to do with my life. So, um, when I went to college, I knew I was going to study some sort of science and I ended up in geological science with a focus in planetary science and astrobiology. Um, I was at Penn State at the time, which is where I grew up. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and honestly, it was like kind of studying geology that started opening me up a little bit spiritually because deep time is insane. Like yeah. just the idea of like, looking at a rock and being like this is hundreds of millions of years old or looking at a landscape and like telling the story of earth through your observations of a landscape is just I don't know it's it like it definitely it, it and and also kind of having the planetary focus thinking about the solar system thinking about the universe and thinking about how rare earth is and our solar system is so rare too like even just the like the planets in our solar system and where they are relative to the sun is pretty rare as far as we know so far. Um, I don't know. It just made me honestly kind of like sus. Like I was like, this is like very coincidental. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it, it made me realize how special and rare and kind of uh, weird our situation is. And it, it almost is like kind of not scientific. Like it's hard to explain scientifically because science is like, not supposed to look at outliers and individual data points, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have one data point for life in the universe as far as we know, and that's mm -hmm. like earth. So how do you do real science around that? It's like impossible, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like just kind of studying that started opening me up to just kind of feeling a little bit like, wow, like this is this is a weird reality that we're in and maybe we don't understand everything. Um, and then I worked at uh, NASA JPL in Pasadena for a summer, mm -hmm. like late in my college career. And um, I was just looking at a lot of pictures of space. I was, I was identifying asteroids and comets at the time. So I was looking at a lot of just like pictures of objects in Whoa. open space. And 
I don't know my brain just like made this connection at some point that like bacteria in space like <laughs> cells in space they all look the same like fractals are real vibes are real I don't know like it's a weird kind of connection to have made at that time but um I don't know I just kind of like started realizing like the universe is very mysterious you know um and I guess just like being in LA and kind of being around those kind of spiritual girl vibes I I don't even honestly know if anyone introduced me to astrology, like I can't think of a specific person who like told me about it, but I think just because I was studying planetary, like solar system, I was thinking a lot about the solar system and like planets in the solar system and thinking about the nature of things and also thinking about things like fractals and orbits and like geometry and all these kind of things. Um, I think the first thing that I learned about astrology that like really made it interesting to me was natal charts, which mm -hmm. like, a natal chart is just like a map of the solar system at a given time and place, right? So like you're at a position on the earth and then the natal chart is like a map of all of the planets in the solar system relative to you on your position on earth. And that was like, like there's no equivalent of that really in astronomy or in planetary mm -hmm. science. Like we don't have like a way of mapping the solar system like that. Like that is an astrology thing. Mm -hmm. Um and it just kind of also occurred to me, like, like going back to the deep time thing, like that's how you connect deep time to now. Like, what are the ways that you can actually like track time? You know, like you can track time. So I'm going off on a tangent now, but it's just like, <laughs> like it just all these kind of realizations like came to me at this time where like, you know, you can track time using the sun, but that's like a yearly cycle that then refreshes every year like you can say like oh the sun is rising at this time and setting at this time and the days are getting shorter and it's in this position but like that's only a one-year cycle which is really short when you think about like how yeah. old the earth is um and so if you want to be able to like track time over long long periods of time you kind of need to use the position of the planets in the solar system like there's really nothing else that you can use to track time um, and yeah, I don't know. That was just really incredible to me. And I just kind of started learning more about astrology. And I realized that it was such like an ancient and eternal language that is used mm -hmm. by so many cultures. And I don't know, it just, it just really clicked with me. And so that summer, I think it was summer 2017. I just totally went down the rabbit hole, um, and that learned everything. The, the great American eclipse summer. Yep. Yep. I saw the eclipse. Oh, I saw the eclipse right. that year. Yeah. And you were blinded by the light. The scales <laughs> fell from your eyes. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, I mean, and it's just crazy. Like, you know, at the time I was like working at NASA doing planetary science and I'm now like in a PhD program um, doing planetary science at, at Berkeley. And I work on like telescope observations of outer solar system objects. And it's like just a double life for me. Where like the people that I work with just like have no idea I'm into astrology. <laughs> I imagine that it would be hard to talk about astrology with astronomers. Totally. Any planetary totally. science people. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm just kind of like, whatever, it's my cross to bear. It is what it is. <laughs> I've been able to like get some people, you know, I mostly just don't talk about it. You know, you don't really talk about religion at work anyway, like right. comparably. Um, it's like, it's more just the people that I've become close to that I'm like, you know, you should know this about me or like, if you want to understand me better, like here's some context. Um, but it's definitely been like a mind fuck, you know, and 
that was like five years ago, over five years ago now that I got really into astrology and like the obsession has just not waned at all. It's just kind of continually grown and gotten like deeper. Um, And at some point I was kind of like, whatever, I just have to embrace this. And so I started Planet Nine Astrology with my friend Caroline, who is like an astrologer that I really respect. Our perspectives are very like complementary. And so I think like coming together to try to do like astrological predictions together, just like it's it's a really good combination of like both of our ways of thinking. Um, and so, yeah, at some point I was just like, you know, fuck it, we ball. Like I'm just going to be an astrologer and a planetary scientist and whatever. So yeah, that's been my journey. It's It's kind of a weird one as far as astrology goes. I would love to meet another planetary scientist astrologer honestly it would be very confirming for me <laughs> but I've I've yet to have it happen <laughs> yeah yeah we Mary and I used to work with um uh we worked together in New York and we we worked with two different people who one is an astrologer who I consider like my first astrology mentor um his name is Joey Frank <laughs> Joey um, <laughs> shouts to Joey yeah. Um, and he would do these things. Like we would have these office parties where we wouldn't celebrate individual birthdays, but we would celebrate by astrological sign. Love um, that. <laughs> and, uh, and it was also like t- summer of 2017 is also when CoStar be- started booming. That's when I got CoStar. Um, and not that I do not recommend or endorse CoStar as an astrological <laughs> tool. I don't want to <laughs> say that. Just it's a gateway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, but it was funny. Like we had said in that office that like in the way that Google, you have to take like the personality tests, like the Myers-Briggs tests and people will like make teams based on INTJs or whatever. We always said that like at our work, it was basically like we had to have like an even distribution of like Aquariuses and Leos and um, our founder is a Leo and, uh, but most of the leadership were all Aquariuses. It was crazy. Wow. Um, Leos yeah. and Aquariuses working together. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, but anyway, so Joey would always do these like toasts to the, uh, to the astrological sign during these birthday parties. But then we, this was a multidisciplinary like arts and sciences, uh, institution. And so we had a pretty, uh, major, it's still pretty major a science department that does a lot of like public engagement around the sciences and it's run by an astrophysicist and she boycotts astrology harder than anybody I know. <laughs> they all do. I don't understand. I'm just like, guys, like chill. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I think for people to understand who have never like witnessed that. Cause like, there's a lot of people who are disdainful of astrology, but for the most part, people are kind of just like, whatever about right. it. Like, yeah. um, but I think like, yeah, I guess I think astronomers feel sort of like threatened by it or they feel insecure. They're like, people think I'm a Gemini, you know, like it's 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 in some way threatening to them. And I also think it's just kind of ignorance. Like they just don't really know what astrology is. They don't know the history of it. And they probably have never like seriously tried to talk to someone who's into it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's definitely I think it's like a it's an interesting kind of like ignorant <laughs> hatred um because it's like astrologers aren't really like doing any you know they're just sort of they're just sort of doing their thing you know it's it's not really a threat to astronomy in any way but I think they they perceive it as such I think that's totally right I feel like there's 
a different kind of language people use um, around religion, if especially like I would say just colloquially, if you're an atheist, because you will make so many people mad that you do have to be pretty sensitive. But when it comes to astrology, um, there's like no holding back any to saying that people might feel. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They, they do get riled up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah. really angry. And it's, it's sort of amusing how much anger it can cause. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm usually not like one to kind of jump to this, but I do also think a lot of it has to do with like misogyny where like mm, yeah. astrology is this like women's art. It has to do with like, you know, understanding people, understanding psychology, understanding like cycles of humans. And I think that that's just, I don't know, it's too, it's too femme for a lot of people. Like they just don't like that. They don't respect it and they don't, you know, it's just an easy thing for them to shit on if yeah. they don't feel like it's appropriate to just shit on women directly, which, you know, a lot of scientists don't. So it's like an outlet for that. It's like a yeah. safe outlet. <laughs> and it it does seem to like, I think, it, you know, it got really popular around 2017, 2016. It feels like, again, like it went through phase of being popular. So it, I guess some people do view it as maybe a fad or a fad that young women like, uh, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so it is, it, it, yeah, disdainful looked down upon because it's like, Oh, it's not serious. You don't really mean it. Totally. What's actually interesting about like the modern resurgence of astrology is like, so I'm really into outer planet astrology. So like the planets like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, like kind of out there. Um, and like those planets were only discovered relatively recently in terms of like astrology's history. Like astrology is thousands of years old, um, but it was only up to Saturn really that like ancient mm -hmm. astrology dealt with because they couldn't see Uranus, Pluto, and Neptune. And so all of like the mythology that we've created around those planets, which are like the planets of interest to me mostly, like is relatively new in the last hundred or so years. And so like, I think it's interesting that the modern resurgence of astrology, like, you know, we see it as this like pop astrology, kind of like Mercury retrograde, like horoscopes, blah, 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 which also horoscopes are really new. That's only been like a hundred years or so mm -hmm. that people have been doing horoscopes based on your sun sign. That was like not a thing mm -hmm. in the past. Um, like, there's so many layers to the modern resurgence of astrology in terms of like the actual depth of the practice be like having a revitalization and, and developing kind of new mythology and new understandings um so it's like it's it's interesting I think that like people see it as like oh it's this fad I don't know why it's catching on it's like it's because this field is like advancing and developing right now and I think people that aren't in astrology don't realize that they don't mm -hmm. you know understand that like we have not even lived through like an entire Pluto cycle knowing that Pluto exists, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're still living through that right now. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, ha I'm excited to be like alive at this time as an astrologer, honestly, like, yeah. I think it's like such a great time to be an astrologer and to be into this. Um, yeah. So that, that's, yeah. Just wanted to add that in. So I think it's interesting historical context. Yeah, completely. And I think that that also, sometimes I think that that lends itself to the, um, to the disdain that astronomers have for astrology because 
I think that astronomers are so into the composite photographs that we can now take using telescopes, things like that. And, um, and I just imagine that people are like, I know some people who are like completely annoyed with my astrology interest and, um, and like, I'll, I'll show like once I, um, this was fairly recently too, like maybe a couple months ago, there was a new composite photograph of Neptune that, um, uh, that came out and it shows rings and Neptune looks so freaky, like on its side. And I like posted an Instagram story that was like, here's your reminder that this is the planetary ruler of Pisces. And, um, (laughs) and, 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 uh, someone messaged me and they were just like, this is so dumb. Like, and I was like, okay, I would respect that argument. If you were saying this is so dumb because Neptune is a non traditional ruler of Pisces <laughs> because Neptune has only been the ruler of Pisces for a hundred years, but instead you're just like knocking my whole personal mythology. But, um, <laughs> you idiot. That's not what the ancients believed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that people are really, um, I think that there's such a, especially with this new, these new discoveries of the outer planets and the way that it's become enfolded into astrological practice is really, really interesting, but also like astronomers maybe feel threatened that contributes to the, to feeling threatened because they're just like, you're using our scientific tools to talk to like further your own astrological agenda (laughs) to further your understanding of the universe. How dare you? (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, yeah, that's another thing that, um, I think that we talked about this, Aaron, um, when you were in New Mexico, that, um, it's like the, the both like a planetary science perspective and also an astrology perspective are trying to understand the universe in with different approaches. One is with this like sort of empirical scientific method and one is through storytelling, um, and mythos and, um, and both, I don't think that it's fair to try to like say one is more right than the other. Yeah. And I, I, I've never found them to be in conflict either. I think that's a big thing for me is like, you know, it doesn't affect the science that I do in any way. If anything, it just kind of gives me an extra motivation to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so for me, I look at like moons in the outer solar system. Mostly I look at like the planets as well, but I focus more on the moons and, um, the discovery of like the Galilean moons, which are like the four largest moons of Jupiter was done by Galileo and his paper, his initial paper that he wrote with the discovery of those moons. I mean, Jupiter is a God to him. He was a practicing astrologer much more than he was an astronomer. Mm -hmm. Um, He was paid to do astrology and he did astronomy for fun, which is like the opposite of me now. Um, (laughs) But you know, that, that paper is he writes about Jupiter as a god. He writes about Mm -hmm. Jupiter with a personality. And that doesn't mean that he didn't, you know, like he still discovered these moons and he still described the quality of these moons in a scientific way. But there's also this kind of like, uh, almost like literature mythology style to the way that he wrote the paper because he's describing like, like these, these things that are associated with Jupiter, this god this Jupiter God and the personality of Jupiter and the characteristics of Jupiter as like a character. And honestly, like, I mean, 
I don't know if either of you have tried to read a scientific paper in the last couple of years, but it is impossible. Everyone hates it. Scientists don't even enjoy it or do it, you know? And I, I, when I read like Galileo's papers, I'm like, damn, you know, if we just wrote like this, it might be a lot easier to get people to give a shit about science. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, that's the other thing that's super interesting to me is that I always think about like the, um, Actually, here's another anecdote, sorry. Uh, but just to get into it a little bit more, um, I was, this was maybe like a month and a half ago, back in October, I was down in a in um, in New Mexico at this like uh, museum association conference. And there was a um, like children's science interactive museum that was there present. And they had um, at during the like, sh- fair kind of thing where everybody was showing off their new stuff. Um, they had this inflatable planetarium that was really cool that they can like collapse and then they can inflate it in any place. It's completely mobile. And then they just have this projector where, um, yeah, anybody who's like, at, like playgrounds and stuff, they can inflate this and then, and like kids can just like zoom through the universe. And, um, the person who was running it, he was, Oh, I'm not going to remember like exactly the context of the interaction, but like, um, he, I was like, I went up to say hello to him and I was like, take me to Jupiter. And I was like, I just want to see IO <laughs> and, um, and I just want to see like the, the planets and stuff. And there was at one point where he had said he was trying to explain something to me, like through the geometry of like astrophysics. And I was like, well, yeah. And it's also like named IO because of the relationship between like Zeus and, and I, or whatever. I was like trying, I was like, you know, I was like, I know that because I'm an astrologer and he rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. <laughs> so it was just like, it, it was, it, to me, we were both reaching the same conclusion. He was using geometry and I was using what I knew from, from astrology. So yeah, it is. Yeah. A little funny also to roll your eyes as you like deal with things that are named after Greek and Roman gods and like, (laughs) yeah, man, like we're all discovered by people making those, you know, like creating stories. Astrologers (laughs) discovered all this shit, you know, (laughs) like it's just, but that's why I think it is just ignorance. It's like, you know, I think if you explain that to people, I don't really think people actually have much behind the eye roll. You know what I mean? Like they just sort of do that because like, it's a safe way for them to express disdain for a group of people Mm -hmm. since like, you know, they're not allowed to do that for other groups of people anymore. And so they're just like, Oh, astrologers, that's a group that I can blindly hate for no fucking reason. And it's like safe by society standards. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I have a million stories like that, but I just, I don't know at this point, like I've just become so desensitized to it that I'm just like, you know, I think there genuinely is like, a consciousness awakening that's happening and hopefully will continue to happen throughout my lifetime. And like, I don't know if I just have to be a part of that and not like feel that solidarity with other people in it, Mm. that's fine. Like I can, Mm -hmm. it's the least I can do for astrology, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just love that there's, um, I love the astrology Renaissance because it gets people really excited. Like i grew up at a time where, um, I remember, what is it? The Hale-Bopp comet? <laughs> What's the oh, yeah, comet? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it was like flying overhead when I was like three or four. 
I think it was like 1995 or something, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And my mom like woke me up out of bed. I was like a toddler and she like pointed it out. She like forced me to look at it kind of thing. And like my mom would always do that. She was always doing that. She was like waking me up to see like the lunar eclipse and stuff like that or like a meteor shower. And, um, and I don't get the sense that it was, but I was, I was a little girl, so I don't really remember, but I don't get the sense that there was such, it was such a part of the zeitgeist to go out and like, look at things. Whereas mm-hmm. now it definitely, it definitely feels like is probably a contribute, a contribution factor of social media, but it definitely feels like everybody can get behind, like going to look up a, a cool thing in the sky. Yeah. I mean, as like a, you know, I work as an observer primarily. So I, I take pictures of things in the sky basically and it's crazy how vibrant the amateur astronomy community is I think it's kind of condescending that we call them that because they actually Mm -hmm. kind of know a lot more than a lot of astronomers do about like where things physically are in the sky Um, but it's incredible how many people just like as a hobby go out and take incredible images of things happening in the sky that don't actually have really any astronomical or scientific purpose mm-hmm. like it's just like the planets are aligned look how beautiful like that yeah. is what we did in ancient times like that was the show you yeah. know and that's that is coming back I think um in a really cool way in in like a in like a grassroots way like it's not a top-down astronomy is doing this and then like sending it out I guess NASA took some James Webb photos and like released those and those are cool and I'm glad that they do that but by and large, you know, we don't really release the images that we take for the public as much as I think Mm. we should. Um, But it's such a huge thing in terms of like the amateur, like astronomy photography, and then obviously astrologers as well. Just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very like ancient human thing to just go out and observe some crazy shit going on in the sky, you know? Yeah. And I I love to see that coming back. (laughs) I guess one thing that we could sort of talk about just like as a as a fun topic to discuss um is where we all were and I don't Mary maybe you watch this I think you would yeah this was late 2020 so you would move to LA by this point but there was a major astrological event um and astronomical uh Saturn and Aquarius were conjunct on the winter solstice of December 2020 and it was like a huge it was a, a big deal um they were conjunct in Aquarius did you happen to see it, Mary? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> I looked at the blood moon not that long ago. Hell like, yeah. A few months Love ago. That. I came out to see that. I'm getting yeah. into it. I mean, <laughs> but I have no idea where I was. No. I was in where were you? December 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's like an incredibly specific thing. <laughs> I do remember. I honestly probably wouldn't remember most astrological alignments, but I do remember that one because yeah. that was when Bitcoin clicked for me. Like literally oh, that yeah. conjunction. Tell us about that. Yeah, because that was um, it was either December 17th or December 19th, 2020. I don't remember which one, uh, but it was like Saturn and Jupiter were conjunct in Aquarius and you could see them right after sunset, like mm-hmm. on the day that they were really close. And so um. I was, and this was like kind of, you know, this was the end of 2020. So just kind of putting it into context of like what was going on societally at the time. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it was, so it was this Saturn Pluto conjunction in Capricorn at the beginning of 2020. That was like the beginning Mm -hmm. of COVID. Um, 
And then coming all the way through 2020 to December, Saturn and Jupiter conjuncted. So like the first one was Saturn, Pluto. Saturn has to do with like restrictions, structures. It's like daddy karma, father time, Mm -hmm. Uh, all of like the dues that you have, the hard work that you've paid, like that you've put in either pays off or you get punished for not doing it. That's what Saturn is about. And Pluto is like the god of the underworld, like bringing up all the dredges from down beneath. It's the tower tarot card, like Mm -hmm. things falling apart, death and rebirth. So that first conjunction in January 2020 with Saturn and Pluto had to do with like all the shit show going on with COVID and everything falling apart. But then at the end of 2020, Saturn and Jupiter conjuncting, Jupiter is a much more benevolent planet. It has to do with like growth and expansion um, and abundance. And so that was kind of, I think like for me, it was this time of like integrating the things that I had realized in 2020 and being like, okay, what, what does my life look like moving forward past COVID or like into this sort of like weird post COVID era that we're in now? Um, And I remember on that day, so, so I drove out to the beach with uh, my boyfriend and two other friends um, to go watch the conjunction right after like sunset over the ocean. And as we were driving out, I remember I just like checked my phone and I was like, oh, holy shit, my Bitcoin is like really up. What, like what the hell is going on? It's back to its all-time high of 18K. And I had only bought Bitcoin because um, I am like a low-key kind of like homesteader, doomsday prepper type. Like it's on the low. It's not like anything too <laughs> crazy, but I am prepared. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I started buying like small amounts of Bitcoin not really knowing anything about it, but just because I had sort of heard like, okay, if you fear economic collapse, like if you think that the economy doesn't really work and that like things are a little weird up in there, like maybe buy some Bitcoin. And so I just had a little bit, like nothing crazy. Um, But that, that obviously like clued me into it, like going forward. Um, And yeah, I remember when we were driving out, I like looked at my phone and I was like, oh my God, Bitcoin's back up to its 18K all time high, like within the period of one day basically it had gone from like you know whatever nine or ten to 18 and I was like is this is this this like is this is this something that's re-emerging out of the rubble of the destruction of 2020 like is this a new structure that's coming in I need to learn more about this um so we went you know we watched the conjunction it was beautiful whatever and I went home after that and I like started looking into bitcoin and I read this article that had been posted, I think a month prior by a uh, Matthew Swan on like the Astro twins website. And it was, it was called something like Bitcoin and the Aquarian technocracy or the technocalypse, something <laughs> like that. And he was doing this astrological analysis of Bitcoin and talking about how like Bitcoin is this like revolution in like uh, technological advancements that like is the age of Aquarius. It's like the new money of the age of Aquarius. And just reading through it, like it made everything start to click for me. And then that became like an obsession of mine as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, that conjunction was very, very formative for my That's life so cool. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, really cool. Um, yeah. We'll link to that article cause it, it is pretty interesting. It's great. Um, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like it's a, it's an interesting read for for Bitcoin, but also um, pretty good primer for just like mundane astrology, which is yeah. like um, the astrology of global events. And um, yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, that's really cool. I 
have a less epic story. I just like, <laughs> I just, I had just moved to New Mexico two months earlier and moved back um, from New York. And, uh, and I was like, really, I thought that I had like made a mistake moving back to New Mexico. And so um, like, I was just like culture shock. And, um, and so I decided to like go to the, there was not much to do because it was still like peak COVID moment. And, um, and I didn't really like have friends yet here. And, uh, um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll go look at this <laughs> at the conjunction <laughs> because it's going to be like very visible from most places in New Mexico. So I went to the river to go watch it. <laughs> That's and beautiful. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was really, really nice. It was, it was very meditative, but I didn't get into, um, I didn't get into Bitcoin until like two months after that like early 2021. I mean, when similar time frame. Yeah. 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 It had exploded in value. Um, and then, and then 2021 was just like an insane year for it. Um, which was this like Jupiter transiting through Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Um, and Saturn was at its peak in Aquarius. Um, and yeah, and actually, and this is maybe a good segue into the talking about the ingresses for 2023. Yes, because (laughs) because it's going to be pretty, yeah, pretty wild. The planets are like really shifting. (laughs) Yeah, shit's happening. I think it's like the biggest astrological year since 2020. I'm not sure like how it will compare in terms of like 2020 or 2023 being more intense, Um, but it's definitely the biggest since 2020. Yeah, I think that it's going to be pretty with Pluto going into Aquarius, Pluto changing signs. I think that's going to be fucking epic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, should we just launch into it? I have yeah. lots I can say on this topic. Yeah. But you're going to have to break it down for me. I'm happy to do <laughs> that. Am. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. I, I came prepared because like, yeah, part of like this launching of planet nine astrology that I've been doing is, um, I, Caroline and I went through all of the astrological transits for 2023 and like wrote up a guide. That's like a digital download on our website and it ended up being 80 pages, like literally a, like a novella about 2023. <laughs> um, so I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on, uh, on what's going on in 2023, but I think like Pluto entering Aquarius, which happens on March 23rd, um, is honestly, I feel like Pluto and Aquarius is going to be the most important astrological transit of my lifetime, potentially. Um, it's so Pluto spends like 15 to 20 years in a sign it's the slowest it's the furthest out of all the like astrological planets um it spends it it takes 248 years to go the whole way around um so it's it's a long-term cycle so the last time that pluto was in aquarius was like the french and american revolutions it was like 1778 to 1798 um and as i said before pluto is like god of the underworld it's about like the power dynamics that lurk beneath the surface the death and rebirth cycles like it's about reckonings and like things collapsing and things falling apart but also things being reborn um and so like yeah that last pluto and aquarius cycle that happened in like the 1700s was like french and american revolutions it was also the birth of the industrial revolution and i think in general it was like a little bit of like a a rebirth of individualist philosophy um Mm -hmm. just kind of thinking like what does it mean to be an individual what does it mean to have rights what does it mean to be like a citizen participating in a social contract um 
And I bring that up because like, I think that that's a key part of Aquarius in general. Um, so Aquarius is all about being an individual in the collective. So Leo and Aquarius are opposite of each other on the Zodiac wheel. And all of the signs that are opposite of each other are sister signs. They like are kind of dealing with the same uh, idea, but in different ways. So Leo okay. and Aquarius, Leo and Aquarius both have to do with ego. So I think a lot of people, I'm a Leo, if you couldn't tell already, but <laughs> I think a lot of people are familiar with like Leo ego, you know, like Leos are like, I'm yeah. the sun. Like I want to be the center of the tension. I want to be like shining the brightest, but they're also like, they shine the brightest, but they like shine rejuvenating regenerative light onto everyone else that like allows them to be their best selves. Ideally, that's like an evolved Leo. Um, so Leo like really embodies ego as like a self, like uh, individual kind of thing. Whereas Aquarius, if Leo is the sun, Aquarius is the star. Those are their tarot card associations. So the Leo is like the center of the solar system, right? Like they're the thing that everyone's moving around and they're like literally the center. Aquarius is the star, which is also a sun of its own solar system, but it has this context of like, I'm one sun among millions, trillions, billions of other suns. Like I'm a star. And, and it, I think Aquarius like takes that Leo ego and puts it into the perspective of like everyone else that exists. Like, how are you an individual within a collective basically? Um, and so like, it's interesting to see this kind of, I mean, this is why I like get so into Bitcoin. Cause I really think like Bitcoin is, is, a, is about this. And I think, um, just the idea of decentralization and the idea of like, how do you have individual liberty or an individual kind of like identity within a collective group? Like that's really what's going to be shaking up during Pluto's transit in Aquarius. And just like we're headed into the age of Aquarius in general, you know, mm -hmm. that's what we're going to be dealing with for like 2000 years coming mm -hmm. up. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting, like the last Pluto and Aquarius cycle was like the birth of the Industrial Revolution. And I think that this current one is like the birth of the information age where like the power structure is now information. It's like identity, uh, as I said, like individual liberty, censorship, freedom. Like what does it mean to have rights as a person, basically? Um, and what does it mean to exist within a group of other people? Um yeah, it's fast. I don't know. I don't know if you, uh, Bethany, have more to add on that, but like, it's just crazy shit. I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> to see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited as well. I think that it's going to be pretty. Um, when I think about how people, how individuals can relate to these outer planet um, ingresses and like, and big outer planet uh, moments, is like, I think about like you just said, it's going to like Pluto and Aquarius might be the biggest transit of your lifetime. And it very well could be. And I think that, um, for those of us who are like, you know, in our young adulthood, it, it really is. Um, but I think about also like when Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008 and is Pluto is commonly blamed for the financial crisis in the United States. Um, also because that was the Pluto return of the United States, the mm -hmm. initiation of a whole, a whole sign Pluto return. Yeah, you, you can't underestimate these the how how profound these effects are going to have. And it's not necessarily like your individual life is going to be like combusted <laughs> and and by these or destroyed by these transits, but like it's it's these are generation defining transits. Um and and 
when you, to me, I get really like, I wax poetic about, uh, about Pluto and Aquarius thinking about like the American revolution. Mm-hmm. And, um, like there was something really like put upon that these people who were living through this, who like decided to just like take this epic chance of revolutionizing against, um, against the monarchy, which had been a thousand years old or whatever, 500 years old. Um, a thousand years old. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, the monarchy had been, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So I think that that's, that's just something that I would add. The other thing too, that I, we can totally edit this out because I don't want to like dox anybody's like astrological data, but <laughs> Ma- Mary's nephew oh. was born in oh, 2021 yeah. at this moment where there was like an epic Aquarius stellium. He was born. Like, I just remember it was like the sun, Aquarius, Jupiter, I believe either both Mars and Venus were there or just one or the other. And I think Mercury was also there. And it was like this epic, I was like, Mary, your nephew is going to be like a mega Aquarius. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like super Aquarius, like yeah. all three. Yeah. It was, you were like, he's destined to be like an interesting person no matter yeah. what. Yeah. yeah. Like 100%. very Aquarius. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And me and Mary both also have a stellium in Aquarius. Mary has what Mary has four planets in Aquarius. I only I do. Yeah, yeah. Your moon and your Venus and Mars and Saturn. Whoa. See, I love that you remember more. <laughs> I know. That's the nice thing about having an astrologer around. So you're like, okay, tell me about myself. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 It's funny being a Leo like opposite of Aquarius. Um, I do have like my midheaven and Uranus are conjunct both at two degrees of Aquarius. So I definitely have a lot of strong Aquarius in terms of like the direction that I'm going in life. Um, but it's funny because I feel like, uh, and this is a little stereotypical of me, but like, I actually find a lot of Aquariuses that I meet to be like pretty devolved versions of Aquarius often. (laughs) Like, I think it's hard to embody, like Aquarius is a difficult sign. It's like, Uh -uh. I'm weird. It's kind of like pick me girl energy, you know, like it's, it's, it's very like, I'm weird. I'm not like other people. Like I'm my own individual (laughs) self. Like it's, it's, it's nice. And it's what we should be like striving for. But I think it's easy for that to show up in like a really (laughs) evolved way and I'm curious to see like over my lifetime like I not and I've met lots of evolved Aquariuses also like it's not to say I've only met devolved Aquariuses but I do I, I think I I note that I meet devolved Aquariuses more than almost any other sign like in terms of like wow you embody the negative characteristics of the sign and I'm curious to see like if that is like part of the evolution that we're like kind of going through right now where like these people who have these really strong Aquarius energies, if like they really need to level up in this lifetime. And like, that's part of like, what will bring us into this era is like, it's kind of like, they're a barometer for where we're at right now, you know, or it's like, yeah, we're just beginning this journey. Like we're not, we're, we have not learned these lessons as a collective yet. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel um, um, challenged. And, <laughs> um... <laughs> I got red. Um, okay. but Pluto's only in Aquarius for like three months it's like a really quick stint and then it retrogrades back to Capricorn to basically like Mm. clean up everything that it missed from like destroying the financial system (laughs) since 2008 
Um, so I, I feel like I think we're actually going to get like kind of a nice blip where we'll just get like a window into like, oh, this is what the next two decades are going to be like, like basically March through June of 2023 Pluto's in Aquarius. And I think that's just going to be like a tiny little window where we get to like see and maybe start like preparing ourselves for what changes that will make it to like our individual lives and to like the collective around us. Um, Yeah. I'm excited. This is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, like we're entering the age of Aquarius. Like we got to just embrace this and go for it. And one thing that all, um, that I, uh, I am also fixated on at the moment is this notion of like the age of Aquarius. And, um, there's like what the Saturn Jupiter conjunction at the first degree of Aquarius did like inducts us into like a into a Saturn Jupiter cycle in air signs now and so um so that's like one way of seeing like an an age of Aquarius but we're really more like in the age of air with that Hmm. Saturn Jupiter conjunction but the age of Aquarius is referring to this larger cosmic year where um uh it's 2000 years where the spring equinox occurs at the at a certain backdrop of an astrological sign this is so technical. Oh my God. It has to do with the way that like, you know, how the poles are wobbling and like the, the earth is sort of wobbling on its axis. Sure. It has to do with that wobble basically. Yeah. So it's a l- much longer term cycle of like 2000 years in every sign. Um, oh, okay. The procession of the equinoxes. Yeah. And it, and it affects the collective because it's such a long, um, because it's, it's era epoch defining, it affects the collective in a way in, 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 um, like intense ways where civilization is impacted and, and changed and, and based on, um, based on older calendars that are not the current Gregorian calendar, um, we are primed to be entering the age of Aquarius, like pretty soon here, or, um, it's like a slow, you know, there's like a little bit of a wobble to the wobble. So it's a trend, you know, it's, it's like how the planets are retrograde and they go in and they go out. It's like, it's, I feel like astrology is very much a two steps forward, one step back kind of mm-hmm. model of progress, mm-hmm. uh, where we're like in this transition, it, the, the past age. So the, the current age that we're in, or like the past age that we're kind of transitioning out of was the age of Pisces, um, which people kind of put as being like the birth of Christ was the beginning of it. Um, so that was like 2000 years ago now was like birth of Christ kind of beginning of the age of Pisces. And that to me, like the age of Pisces was the age of monotheistic religion and like institutionalized religion where religion was really what was controlling, um, violence. It was controlling like structures of government. It was controlling people's individual lives. And it was a very like, uh, you know, I think with Pisces, actually, maybe we can talk about Saturn entering Pisces after this, since, uh, you know, there's lots of Pisces energy, but I think with (laughs) Pisces, there's this like, um, inclination to sort of just dissolve into things like to kind of like dissolve the self and dissolve into like the ether. And I think like with the age of Pisces, that's very, it was very like religion is the opiate of the masses kind of vibe Mm. in the era Mm. of Pisces. Um, and I think with Aquarius going into Aquarius, Aquarius is much more self-driven. Aquarius doesn't give a shit about hierarchies or who's in charge. If anything, they're kind of anti-authority. They'd rather just do things their own way. Um, and so I think like part of what we're seeing with like the disillusion um, or disillusionment, not disillusion, but the disillusionment of people from organized religion and then the transition into people kind of like 
having more individual practices of spirituality and kind of like discovering their own spirituality. Like to me, that's very emblematic of that transition from age of Pisces to age of Aquarius. It, it really has to do with like belief structures and like how you determine your basis of reality in like a spiritual way. I was reading a really out there article about cosmic years and the astrological ages and the procession. And um, uh, this person had said, if we think about, if we think back to six or 12,000 years or yeah. um, If we think back to the age of Leo, (laughs) the astrological age of Leo, which is again, as you've been talking about the, the sister sign to Aquarius. And so diametrically, posed on um on the zodiac wheel uh they were this person was like you know what if leo was like going into the age of leo we lost our ability to be to like communicate telepathically with each other because leo is about individuation and like defining yourself as an individual and so like there's this whole um like everything every astrological age preceding leo we could have all been a part of a mesh network where we could all just like understand each other. And then the age of Leo is where individual languages gets introduced and we just like become individuals and then have to go through half of the Zodiac um, as individuals and like going through different astrological ages. And then, and then Aquarius now is sort of like the return to a network. Yeah. Um, The internet. Totally. Yeah. Oh, and we're just seeing like the weird subconscious in the comment section all the time and being like, oh, shit, is this what's going on in the brains of everyone else around me? Like, I don't know that I wanted to be clued into this. <laughs> no. This is too much, please. <laughs> be quiet. Yeah. I like that. That's a cool take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. Also interesting that this whole GPT chatbot is now like emerging Mm -hmm. but yeah let's let's talk about Saturn and Pisces let's talk about Saturn and Pisces very important for you guys uh yeah we just finished our Saturn return like me and Mary both just finished our Saturn return and now we're gonna have to like part two how did it go I'm curious I have I have my Saturn returns in a couple years but I'm uh yeah I'm trying to gear up and prepare now was it was it okay for both of you (laughs) yeah I'm like looking at your faces like oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god well we both moved yeah oh nice. we both like our lives transformed yeah <laughs> i feel like i still haven't like come to terms with anything that happened in the last two years well personally ho- <laughs> well hopefully saturn and pisces will like give you a break then because you'll be like okay saturn is is out I can start to like accept and process what it's done to me over the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause Saturn, so Saturn enters Pisces March 27th and like it's been in uh, Aquarius and Capricorn, which are signs that it rules for like five or six years. So it's mm-hmm. been really, really powerful. I feel like mm-hmm. people that have the Capricorn and Aquarius Saturn returns, like it's just been like an ongoing, like five year Saturn return you know, the drawn out process. Yeah. Yeah. It was, well, and the, the, what was crazy in 2020 is like it briefly ingressed into Aquarius and then went back to Capricorn when it retrograded. And, um, and yeah, that was at the very beginning of, of really like COVID in America. And, um, 
the day that Saturn entered Aquarius, I got laid off from my job. <laughs> so that was that'll me. happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just been an endless transformation from there. But I mean, I think that another, I got a piece of advice from someone, from a friend um, who was like, uh, he has a, actually has a tattoo of Saturn on his arm. And um, he, he got that tattoo after his Saturn return because he was like, he said, he told me, he was like, I felt like I wanted to enjoy it more or like be more present mm-hmm. to it. And he told me that as I was like going into this. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna like be present to this. And as like my weird, like spiritual, corner of my life I like on my altar I kept a devotional candle to Saturn and like prayed the Orphic hymn every Saturday yeah that's what I'm saying you know astrology giving context to your life (laughs) and to your suffering honestly yeah like it's it's helpful to be like I'm going through this right now and it has a purpose I swear (laughs) yeah yeah totally and it will end I I do think that that is like a huge thing that there are totally yeah, there's yeah. a time frame in which yeah. it's happening. Yeah, Saturn and Pisces is is gonna be kind of weird. Um, because like as I said before, Saturn is like restrictions and boundaries and institutions. And like usually I would say Saturn is about facing those boundaries and like getting stuck at them and being like, oh, oh no, like I didn't do the work of like breaking down this boundary or like building the structure that I would need to get over it or whatever it is. Like I think usually Saturn comes with all these like hangups in this, in the energy of the sign that it's in. But what's weird about Pisces is like Pisces is all about like dissolving boundaries. Like Pisces is like dissolving the things that like are in between us, the things that are between like us and death. Um, Pisces is the end of the Zodiac. So like Pisces wants to like die and dissolve <laughs> to the ether, you know, Um so I was like, kind of like, not sure. Like when I was just looking at, it, I was like, what is Saturn in Pisces even going to be like? So I looked at like past Saturn and Pisces transits. The last one was 1993 to 1996. Um, and I feel like the main kind of themes that I saw with that were a lot of like dissolution into technology. Like that was when like America online made the World Wide web accessible to American citizens. Like you could get online as an individual person Um, the first smartphone was released. The internet actually became like fully privatized during this time before it had Mm. kind of been like a government, more government funded project. And then, Mm. uh, during that time with Saturn and Pisces, the government stopped funding. It's like internet programs and, and internet just became totally privatized, totally free market, all that. Um, also something that I thought was kind of like random, but interesting, uh, Selena was murdered by the president of her own fan club during this time. And I think that that's like a really good indication of like lack of boundaries or like not knowing like the difference between you and other people or where you stand with other people. Like, I really feel like Saturn and Pisces is going to be kind of a weird one where like people are going to be pushing boundaries between people and not like knowing where they stand. Um, I'm curious to see also with like drug use and legalization like if we see more legalization of like psychedelics or weed um or then like conversely on the negative side like if we see more like opioid crisis addiction crisis kind of things um because that can also be a problem with pisces um i think also like i'm curious if there's some developments in terms of like transhumanism and life extension like literally Mm -hmm. pushing the boundaries of death or like pushing the Mm -hmm. boundaries of like your human body 
um yeah like maybe like people going out into space or going deep into the ocean like just kind of like going out into the depths and just like extending that because yeah I, I really feel like Saturn and Pisces like historically has been pushing the boundaries, dissolving the boundaries, getting confused about where the boundaries are, which is not a usual Saturn energy. And it's certainly a shift from like Saturn being in Capricorn and Aquarius, where like Saturn is very comfortable in those signs. Saturn knows how to lay down the law and to be like, these are the rules. And I'm going to like say, fuck you to everything else that doesn't abide by those rules. Like Saturn in Pisces is like confused and like, doesn't know like where the line is basically. Um, so I think it's going to be weird. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and won't, will, will Saturn make a conjunction to Neptune and Pisces? Uh, I don't think in so like, this year. I mean, eventually in 2026, they might yeah. conjoin, right? Yeah. Cause Neptune's at like 27 or 28 degrees of Pisces. So it's pretty far. Yeah. And I wasn't point. sure if, if Neptune was going to move into Aries by the time Saturn would have finished up the transit, but that I think they will conjunct. I, I don't know that for sure, but that sounds like the right timeline. Yeah. Both. Um, yeah, because like again, <laughs> Neptune is a is a new um is the modernist ruler of Pisces. And so Neptune is feels really good and like can enact um can can act his best. Um, but to me that I'm looking out for that if that'll happen in 2026, because I'm just like something weird like with the oceans. <laughs> <laughs> and like some like freaky, I don't know, like tsunami, like a lot of, a lot of tsunamis align with like really nefarious Neptune aspects. Um, and, you know, I wonder if like, we're going to have some like flooding <laughs> events mm. because like levees are breaking the structures yeah. that keep the water out are breaking like literal pushing of boundaries, yeah. like with the water energy. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So, or, or it could just be even, it could be like a little bit more abstracted where they're just like, um, I don't know, like, like submarine technology is like doing something crazy in the water. Hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really, really interesting because Saturn won't be within his own power. Um, yeah. And- I think like, I think like on a collective level, it's like definitely going to be some like crazy pushing boundaries, like whether it's like ocean or space or like human life or whatever, that kind of thing. And then Mm -hmm. I think on an individual level, it's going to be much more about like pushing the boundaries between people, like in relationships or like with addiction or like dissolving into Mm -hmm. your phone, you know, like just (laughs) how do you create like boundaries between yourself and other people, I think is going to be a major theme for Saturn and Pisces and like figuring out, figuring out where you can put up boundaries for yourself. But also I think like optimistically like figuring out where you can actually be a little bit more lenient and like let people in a little bit more because I think we've been pretty isolated since COVID Mm -hmm. and I think Saturn and Pisces actually has the potential to kind of like open people up in a way that they weren't ready to over the last couple years um so it's like I don't know I obviously like it sounds a little scary to be like oh god I'm just like not gonna be able to control myself and I'm gonna (laughs) dissolve into the ether but like also just kind of ride the wave and embrace it. You know, Pisces is here for a good time, not a long time. Like it's, it's just going for it. It's feeling the emotions and like getting lost in the waves. Um, yeah. <laughs> that actually oh, kind of ties into uh, something I wanted to mention uh, about 2023 astrology is the North Node entering Aries. 
Um, and I wanted to mention that because I feel like what I kind of just said about Pisces and the boundaries between people really has to do with like North Node and Aries and what I think is honestly like the lesson of this year as like an individual is um, so the North Node, the, the North and South Node are like two points that are opposite of each other and they just like move around the Zodiac wheel and they're the axes of karmic evolution. So the North Node is like where we're going and the South Node is where we've been. Hmm. Um, and they move, they change signs about every 18 months, like every year and a half. And the nodes are where the eclipses happen. So like we have eclipse season every six months. And that's because that's when the moon is where the nodes are on the Zodiac wheel. And okay. so the, the nodes have to do with karmic evolution. And they also have to do with the eclipses, like where the major chaotic events are happening that are then like leading us towards our karmic evolution. Um, so the North node has been in Taurus for the last year. Um, and it will leave Taurus on July 17th and go into Aries. Um, and Taurus has just been like getting a beating like over yeah. since 2018, basically. I'm a Taurus rising, so I'm definitely feeling it in terms of like my identity in the physical world. Um, but basically, like Taurus has had all of this like upheaval and chaos and like a reconfiguring around it. And what that's meant is like a change in our values and our priorities, because Taurus has to do with our relationship to like the physical world. Um, and so I think with like the North node going into Aries and then also like what I was saying about the Saturn and Pisces energy is like the lessons that we learn from the North node in Taurus is like, how have our values changed? How have our physical environments changed? How have like the things that we own or the places that we live, how have, how has that changed over the last year and a half and really since 2018 and then going into Aries, how does that change the way that you show up? as an individual with others, which I said also kind of is like the Aquarius theme as well. Like, mm -hmm. I think our values have shifted a lot and that is inevitably changing our relationships with people and our relationships with ourselves. And so like, I think with the North Node entering Aries, the like lesson that we're trying to be taught is like, you need to figure out what's important to you and how you need to show up as an individual so that you can show up for other people, like put your mask mm -hmm. on before you assist other people with their mask type of mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I really feel like just all of the outer planet, like major astrological things, actually, even the Venus retrograde in Leo, I think has to do with this. Like oh, yeah. they're all sort of pointing at like, what does it mean to be me? And like, what, how do I exist with other people? And like, that is not going to be a clean process. Like people are going to cross boundaries with you. You're going to cross lines with them. It's going to be messy. But I, I really think it's like reconfiguring our values to reconfigure our relationships with ourselves and others. Um yeah, that's my shtick for 2023. <laughs> that's like what I'm like replaying in my head. It's just like yeah. re realigning my values and relationships. <laughs> um, on on Witch Talk and Astro Twitter, people are really worried about um how the Venus retrograde in Leo is going to affect Hot Girl Summer. Oh, I know. As a Leo, <laughs> I'm devastated. I'm like Leo season. It's going to be like just such a damper. You know, I. I <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might. I mean, yeah, the Venus retrograde last year felt appropriate because it was happening like in the dead of winter, mm -hmm. at least up here in the Northern hemisphere. And so it felt like fine to be like crying and sad and ugly all the time. <laughs> no. But yeah. I hate to see it in Leo. I hate to see that. <laughs> Summertime sadness. Summertime yeah. sadness indeed. <laughs> oh yeah. Aaron is also a big Lana fan. Mary. Oh yeah. Uh Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I was I was thinking about this actually before we got on and I was like 
what is the saddest season? I, I normally I would say a winter season, you know, like that's the time to really be in your feels. But I don't know. Summer cancer season. Yeah. Some, Summertime yeah. sadness. Mm-hmm. It holds a special special sadness I would say there's nothing like being sad when you should be happy you know right yes different kind of feel (laughs) (laughs) yeah it yeah you're you're like a full brooding Mm -hmm. it hits different for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh great this is gonna be great a lot of like a lot of like Cassie from euphoria crying like a lot of those images on the mood board (laughs) yes definitely (laughs) but we just gotta embrace it you know it just is what it is I mean honestly like I think if I if I look at the year like chronologically we're really just like revving up into March March is the craziest month of the year with all the like Pluto Saturn everything entering their new signs for the first time uh April May is insane also because it's eclipse season and the eclipses are like particularly bad in April and May but then the summer we kind of like get this sad contemplative reflective time to like think about all those changes and be like oh do I like myself do I like these relationships like I don't know and and like go through all that and then I feel like the fall into winter is like actually reflective in a nice way where we're like integrating and like taking it all in so it's gonna be like the hardest I think to start and then there's gonna be brooding and then there's gonna be like integration and like moving forward that's 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 kind of the way I look at it (laughs) That's exciting. I mean, that's like a good, you know, again, this like context of it'll all be over soon. Mm-hmm. And we'll all have a time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, well, when does, when is Jupiter going into Taurus? Does that happen in the fall? That's May 17th. Oh, so wow. that's during okay. Taurus season. So there's a lot of, I'm wow. so excited for Jupiter and Taurus. That's I, as I said, Taurus rising, like I need this. Like after so much destruction in Taurus since 2018, like Jupiter needs to come in and fill the space, basically. Like Jupiter needs yeah. to bring some abundance. I'm like a little bit worried about money printing and inflation because with Taurus, everything yeah. about the money systems being rethought and Jupiter just yeah. like expands whatever it's around. Um, but I also think like Jupiter is very optimistic. And so I think we could also kind of be like rethinking our relationship with money in like an abundance mindset kind of way. Mm-hmm. So it, it could go either way or maybe both ways at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jupiter and Taurus, I love to see that for Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, like the the Jupiter co-present with Uranus and Taurus. And to me, Uranus has been, Uranus being like, um, rebellion and upheaval, but also Uranus is the modern ruler of Aquarius. And so like Uranus being like very internet technology oriented, Hmm. um, and in Taurus, which is a sign of money, um, and assets, personal assets. Um, but to me, there's like a crypto thing going on there. And then I wonder about like central bank digital currencies, CBDCs Mm -hmm. and Jupiter, like trying to expand that, especially when, um, prime minister of the UK, um, not Liz, um, the Rishi Sunak, um, who like made a video. (laughs) Can you imagine what if they had Liz Truss and we had Liz Warren, you know, two Liz's. The Liz's. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then it would have been like a golden trio if Queen Elizabeth had just lived for Oh my god. <laughs> we fucked up. <laughs> Triple Liz. Um <laughs> Sorry, I derailed your your actual <laughs> <Triple> point. <Liz laughs> um <laughs> but I think that there's like going to be cuz Jupiter can can get really intoxicating for with, with people and I think that there could be like a like this obsession with CBDCs coming into, um, coming into like the Western world. I mean, I think that it's pretty much already like a thing in China, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just people getting a little bit too over, overexcited about central bank digital currencies, Mm. which is like essentially where, um, like, have you been following this discussion, Mary, about CBDCs? No, no, not between us, but I mean, like, just in the between us. <laughs> Are you listening? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not to both. Uh. <laughs> um, CBDCs are like essentially where the central bank of a country can make its own crypto token and then distribute that to like people's people's digital wallets. Right. And it can just that can be could be t- catastrophic because then you're opening up your s- digital wallet to s- government surveillance. The government yeah. can see everything that you spend on and can tell you when you can't spend <laughs> on certain things. It's, I mean, that's very Pluto and Aquarius, to be honest. Like, I yeah. definitely think that that's, that's going to be, that's going to happen. You know, yeah. we're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that Jupiter is going to like ex- just add emphasis to this idea of like personal finances and like and technology like technological innovations um so again I mean like the question that I or the sort of like topic that I had for the year of like how does your value how have your values changed and then how does that change the way that you show up for yourself and others like that can be applied to money too like what do you think is a valuable currency what do you think is really valuable or has actual like value you know Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm so many people are just like, well, money's fake and money is kind of fake, you know, like it, it definitely is like tethered to basically nothing at this point. And so I mm-hmm. think like we're reshaping our relationship with money, whether that's governments releasing central bank digital currencies or cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, all of that kind of emerging. Um, and yeah, I think we'll have to decide like as individuals and as a collective, like what thing we want to embrace, you know, what do we actually want to believe in here? Mm-hmm. Um, And it's like, I don't know, I think with a lot of these topics, people get very fatalistic, but actually I would say this is a huge like transition from ancient astrology to modern astrology as well. It's like ancient astrology was very fatalistic. It was like predicting deaths and like predicting disease and predicting plague and all these sort of things. And I think modern astrology is much more about like the, like the dialectic of any sort of dynamic, you know, like you can embody one thing or another, like you get the choice to embody whichever like archetype, like whichever manifestation of the archetype you want to, you're still constrained by the archetype of like the astrological energy. In this case, it's like Taurus and value and money, but you get the choice of like, do I want to go into like dystopian, like hell future? Or do I want to go into like the positive attributes of Taurus with like real value and like real tangible things that mean something to me? Um, so I don't know, like just, I, I, I love that, like, I feel like astrology has gotten a lot more optimistic in its revitalization. And for me, it's like, yeah, it's never, it's never faded or set in stone that like, this is going to happen because the astrology says so it's like, no, we're going to be dealing with this topic and then we get free will. 
to decide like Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. things actually go within that dynamic. I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all. And that's, that's another thing about like, just, um, uh, opening up astrology to like a wider audience and, and opening up education channels to astrology is also like, this is, um, this doesn't have to be fatalistic. A prediction doesn't have to be the end all be all, um, that you have to like live with. There's, there's ways to like incorporate, incorporate what's going on into your own life, um, to, to help yourself. Um, yeah. Looking forward to 2023. (laughs) Always. Yep. Looking forward to crying more tears. Always. Always. (laughs) Yeah. On this podcast. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah that pluto crossing over my aquarius venus um, good luck <laughs> um yeah a girl cannot catch a break <laughs> um do you think i just I'm pivoting a little bit do you think aaron that you'll ever with your homesteading oh, yeah. background mm. um do you think you'll ever will planet nine astrology um produce some almanacs <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of fascinating I I like that idea you're giving me ideas here you should I think yeah. you definitely should because the thing is I'm always you know I feel like I have so many disparate kind of things going on like I'm like planetary scientist astrologer like super into bitcoin somehow and then like gardener <laughs> homesteader like cottagecore ass bitch and like <laughs> I'm always like trying to figure out like what's the common thread here like how can I connect and synthesize these things in a way that like literally makes any sense and that that's that's a great one I like that one an almanac but also has like trading like markets yeah or a bitcoin mining heated greenhouse (laughs) oh (laughs) I love that (laughs) that's very solar punk you know it's like cottagecore in the future for sure <laughs> oh, oh my god that's the birth of a new aesthetic like solar mm-hmm. punk cottage core i'm doing my best Listen. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my gosh i love that i feel like <laughs> the world is now open to so many more possibilities just exactly this phrasing exactly wow <laughs> like william gibson meets cottage core william gibson meets like little women (laughs) that's something that's a crossover that I would want to see um what's okay wait sorry what's a wattpad I hear this all the time is it something to do with fan fiction yeah it's oh well sorry Erin did you want to go no please that was my impression it's a a website um okay for fan fiction yeah post fan fiction too yeah because I was gonna say should we make a Wattpad for it? But I didn't know what it was for William. Gibson I don't know. Women, but I think I maybe just a mood board will serve yeah. the purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, On Pinterest? Create a new TikTok trend. Oh, you know? yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> my solar punk cottagecore farm or something. Yeah, my, my era. My solar punk cottagecore era. <laughs> yep. that's great um that was so that thank you so much Erin for all of your expertise oh I love talking about this shit this is great it was Uh, any excuse I know I feel like we should have you come back on like maybe in the middle of the year yeah we can do a review yeah like Mm -hmm. how's it going what's up I love that 
in the middle of sad girl summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Summertime sadness times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Oh my gosh. It's been lovely to, to get to talk to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, your expository, all of your knowledge. I love talking about this shit too. Yeah. It's, I feel like I learned more than I have in a month (laughs) in this hour. (laughs) Some educational content up in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want more, as I said, I wrote a fuck, like Carolyn and I literally wrote an 80 page (laughs) fucking guide for 2023. So yeah. So we got more coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the most extensive guide you'll see out there. Yeah. People are coming out with them, but it's not none of them are 80 pages <laughs> no we went we went ham yeah and like yeah youtube tiktok i'm trying to trying to do more video stuff as well because i feel like the astrological community on both of those platforms is very exciting to me and i'm like let's participate let's get into it so yeah the media I'm, empire the media yeah. empire of planet nine yeah. astrology it's just emerging <laughs> you know you've got calendars you've got almanacs you've got video content Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. free digital uh like weekly planner for 2023 with journal prompts we got it all what like we we are launching (laughs) an industry over here it just it started as just like oh do you want to just make this one thing and then it just snowballed we were like i want to make this and i want to make this and i want to make this and so it's just (laughs) it's just become this whole thing so this is perfectly timed to just be like, yeah, I'm an astrologer. I'm coming on a podcast to do my shtick, you know? <laughs> oh, we're so happy that Sad Girl Syllabus is, is yeah. the podcast. That's yeah. great. I'm, yeah. The launch. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. We'll link it all in the description. Exactly. Yes. All of these items. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Um, thank you for spending this time on Sad yeah. Girl Syllabus. Thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks you all for listening. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Happy Pluto and Aquarius. Yes. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) All right. See ya. Bye. Did you know um, there's a place on the internet where you can get exclusive access to Sad Girl Syllabus News? You can join our Sad Girls Club by signing up for our newsletter at sadgirlsyllabus.com. And with the newsletter, you'll see updates on new episodes, um, announcements on content and stuff, uh, extra insights, links, reading lists, resources um, that don't make it into the podcast episodes. And when you sign up, you get a little gift from us. It's a reading list, um, a, tr- a, a Sad Girl Syllabus actual syllabus <laughs> sad girls 101 and if you want to support the podcast you can head over to patreon.com slash sad syllabus and for five bucks a month you can watch all of our director's cut video episodes uh, and get bonus episodes uh, when they come out uh, if you like what you hear also Please think about rating the pod on Apple Podcasts, sharing this podcast with your friends. Yay. It's really the best way to support us is to help spread the word. Uh, so subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at Sad Girl Syllabus. <laughs>